A 20-year-old UVA pre-med student, while biking on a remote mountain road, falls in front of an oncoming car and shatters his face and possibly his future. This is the theme of today's book on ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. The book is The Road Back, A Journey of Grace and Grit by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Mike Vitez. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. So prior to the accident, who was Matt Miller? So Matt Miller was, a, as you said, he was a college student. He was from the suburbs of Philadelphia. He was going to UVA. He sort of had, a, you know, the ideal life. I mean, he was uh, from an affluent family. He was in love with his high school sweetheart. He was planning on medical school. He was an excellent student. He was a junior in college, and he had discovered triathlons and, um, you know, loved training and, uh, was, you know, this happened when he was out for an 85-mile ride. So. He had this, like, perfect future ahead of him. So what happened on that fateful day in the fall? He was out for a ride. Uh, they were going to do an 85-mile training ride. They left. It was a beautiful autumn morning. You know, Charlottesville is near the Blue Ridge Mountains. They're about 30 miles to the west. So he, was, he and his buddies took off. They ride to the mountains. They do this Category 1 climb, you know, up a mountain pass. And then they're riding northbound. On, this, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is a beautiful road along the crest of the Blue Ridge. And these are three 20-year-old young men, and they're, they're you know, relaxed. The hardest part of the ride is over. They're living the dream. And going southbound on this beautiful fall, late fall morning, is a classic car caravan of these old sort of the Shenandoah Valley Classic Car Club, you know, old Porsches and Jaguars and Spitfires and things like that. And these boys are looking at the cars, and what happened, what everyone, what I believe happened, and I interviewed everybody, the driver, the other riders, everybody, is that Matt sort of got distracted looking at these really cool cars, rolled off the crown of the road onto the shoulder on his bike, overcompensated, you know, he lost control for a second, overcompensated, and swerved across the double yellow line into the path of the 29th car in the 30-car caravan, and, and hit the car face first, fell into the car face first. And he flew in the air, and he landed on the on the pavement, still clipped into his pedals. He had stopped breathing. He had broken every major bone in his face, um, and he had suffered, you know, severe brain injury. So I think one of the themes I took away from this book is, in certain way, he was the most unlucky young man in Virginia that day, in certain ways the luckiest man in Virginia that day. So you want to talk a little bit about that? It is true, you know. It, the, the story really is is his extraordinary comeback, and you know he really grew a tremendous amount, and he learned so much. And 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 I kind of described the book as the perfect storm in reverse. You know, everything had to happen flawlessly for this young man to have a chance, and it did. And you know, the family believes it was a lot of uh, miracles, but you know this. This young man had everything going for him, as I said. I mean, he was so fit; his resting heartbeat was a forty-two. And and he had this beautiful future mapped out for him right there in, in the palm of his hand. All he had to do was, you know, live it. But what happened was he inspired so many people, and he learned so many things about himself with his drive and determination. You know, the, the subtitle of the book is a, it's a Journey of Grace and Grit, sort of how he battled back. And that's really the story, what, you know, what he went on to do. And, and in two years... From where he lay on that pavement, two years later, he's in the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. And, you know, as a first-year med student, he trains and competes for and competes in the Ironman Triathlon and does a very fast time of 10 hours and 
30 minutes. And, you know, I'm not giving away the ending because I don't think the story is really the ending. The story is really how he gets to the ending and, and the support he has and what he overcomes. The thing I find is really amazing is that the last car that particular day when he had kind of smashed his entire face, you know, not only did it have a physician in the car, it had an anesthesiologist in the car. So, you know, what happened on those kind of moments that saved his life? It is a one. That's one of some of the most wonderful things in that book or, or that. So, Matt, you know, this guy who's in the last car, he's, you know, very close to the, he sees the accident and he's right there because Matt flies into the 29th car. And the, the driver is a gentleman named Mark Harris who's 60 years old, who's just out for a foliage tour with his wife, who happens to be an anesthesiologist at Martha Jefferson Hospital in Charlottesville. He turns to his wife when he sees the accident and he says, that boy is dead. He also happens to be the first one on the scene. He hits the brakes, runs to the kid, and more than any other, you know, you're a physician, and the physicians who listen to this may agree or disagree, but my theory is, and all the reporting I've done, is that an anesthesiologist is probably the best kind of physician to be on the scene. He knows how to open an airway. He's, he's accustomed to bringing, to starting people breathing again, because it happens a lot. It's his day job. Um, and he knew exactly what to do. And uh, he, he triggered Matt's fight-or-flight mechanism by yanking his jaw. He knew how to do that and, uh, Matt, you know, trying to in, create pain and, and to get Matt back to consciousness, and it worked. And, and he was able to keep him breathing again until a helicopter got there. And one of the sort of themes of the book is the relationship that develops between the doctor and, and his wife, really, and Matt and his family over the next two years. And they are like, they are like family themselves now. And... Uh, you know, what, what I, one of the things I was moved by was the anesthesiologist, you know, says that he's been a physician for 30 years, and anesthesiologists tend not to have great relationships with their patients. It's not the kind of practice you have. It's not like you're an uh, internal medicine family physician or, or a surgeon, even though you have an ongoing relationship with your patient. And, you know, after Matt had recovered, he knocks on this, he, he goes to the anesthesiologist's house and knocks on his door to thank him saving his life. An anesthesiologist never thought this man would live. He never thought he'd make it off the mountain. Never thought Matt would, despite all he had done, he never thought Matt would make it. And it's an incredibly moving day, the day Matt shows up at his door. So you're listening to ReachMD Book Club. We're talking with author Mike Vitez about his book, The Road Back, A Journey of Grace and Grit. So Mike shows up at UVA. He's face is completely smashed in. He's got a head injury. Probably no one in the ER really thinks he's going to survive, and they bring in neurosurgery and plastics. And, and then he starts this arduous trip back, and, and, and you spend a lot of time with the family. Did, did the family really think he was going to survive? You know, the family didn't really know. The family, it's a foreign world to families. They go into this, you know, into the trauma bay there and in, into the in ICU, and they don't understand the language the doctors are talking. They don't really know what to think. You know, they're, they're praying and they're hoping and they're hanging on every word, and, you know, they're hoping, but they, they don't really know what to expect. Uh, they don't really know when he's going to live or die. And, and I think they're, they never gave up hope, ever. And they're always, and, and it's funny, the mother and the father, even the dynamics in the family had, you know, very different reactions. The father was sort of very emotional and not hysterical, but very emotional. And, and the mother was a rock. 
you know, focused on the positive, staying calm, conserving her energy, knew that she'd need to be there for her son in the days ahead. It was really interesting to see how the individual members of the family dealt with it. But they were there, and, and you know, and having a stable family and a supportive family and, and the community support they had, I think, was an enormous factor in his recovery as well as just having fabulous medical care from, from the moment he arrived at the University of Virginia Hospital. Can you speak to his grit? You know, the, the guy, he's all got all these tubes in him, and he's in the intensive care unit, and he's and then in the step-down unit, and when the chief resident comes to see him at 6 a.m., you know, he gets out of bed to get up and shake hands with the doctor. He's so he's so grateful for the care he's got. He's so positive. And the, the doctor's like, get back in bed. What are you doing getting up? He was just determined from from the first moment to, like, be positive and to heal and to do, and to he was like the ideal patient and the doctors loved him for it and what the first thing he said when he woke up from the coma and was he delirious was it you know you know this better than i john was it the was it the anesthesia was it the pain medication they were giving him was it the the brain injury the first thing he says when he comes to consciousness he, he can't really speak cuz he's but he writes uh with his broken hand you know he asks for a pen and he writes on this piece of paper can i go to physics lab First question. He was just, you know, he doesn't remember it, but and it was sort of a beautiful foreshadowing. But the man was determined. You know, there was a big fight over whether you know the nutritionist was sure he would need a peg tube in his stomach to get the nutrition he needed to recover because he couldn't eat. His jaw was wired shut because he'd lost all his teeth and you know all the bones were broken and. He'd have to get all his nutrition through a straw, and the nutritionist and the medical people all thought he needed a peg tube, and a, and his mother, and you know, he he refused. He didn't want it. He said, "I'm going to suck down enough calories every day," and he did it. They couldn't believe it. The, the nutritionist said she'd been a nutritionist for 20 years, was sure it wouldn't happen, and was shocked that he was able to do it. He just was determined. So, what residual injuries was he left with? You mean after all is done? At the end of the day, what were his injuries today? You know, he's got some damage to his facial nerves. He's got all, you know, he's got no teeth. His whole jaw has been rebuilt. He's got stent in his carotid artery. Um, but, you know, he's he's fully functional in a way. You know, he, he's a med student. He's training for triathlon. He's getting married to, you know, his girl stuck by him through it all. So, you know, a lot of things, they were able to rebuild his face. The facial trauma surgeons or the facial plastic surgeons used all these um titanium plates and screws, and he looks really good. You, you know, walking down the street, you looked at him, you might think, eh, maybe he's had some, but you never imagined he'd been through anything like he'd been. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even turn your head. You wouldn't even notice, really, that, he, that unless you really look close, one of his eyes is not exactly like the other. But um, it's extraordinary how well his face was rebuilt and how well he recovered. So his brain is is fine. You know, he was taking his physics test still in the hospital and, and you know, scoring higher than anyone in the class. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So he's a med student at University of Pennsylvania. Does he know what type of medicine he'd ultimately like to do? I think, you know, he's now a third-year med student, and I think that he's narrowed it down. I think he's going to try to be a facial plastic surgeon. And he was either thinking about that or neurosurgery, but I think he is so indebted to and was amazed by the facial plastic surgeons who, who rebuilt his face. And he likes the idea of, of 
you know, of, of building things, of fixing things. You know, it's a very meticulous and exacting thing, and I think he's got that nature about him. And so, I mean, he's just going through all the rotations, finishing the rotations now, and I think that's what he's leaning toward. I would imagine he has the best residency essay kind of theme ever. I, I would imagine for uh, for getting a residency. So, so you said he did a, a an Ironman. So he must have gotten back on a bicycle. He did. You know, the thing is that he has no recollection of the actual accident. You know, the last thing he remembers is celebrating at the top of the mountain after they had reached the top and had a took off their you know a layer of clothing and had an energy bar and high fived. He doesn't remember the next two miles and the cars and and the accident. And so he has no fear of the bike. He loves the bike. You know, he loved cycling. He loved it, loved it, loved it. And so the issue was his family and, and his grace saw really the pain, the horrible pain he had caused his loved ones by his accident. And, and, you know, they were very apprehensive about him getting back on the bike, but they sort of negotiated a deal. He would never ride on a road open to cars. He'd only ride on trails or roads that are closed to cars. And he'd, and he'd always wear one of these. He looks like a hockey goalie, he'd always wear a full-faced helmet that, you know, downhill mountain riders wear or hockey goalies wear. And so he looks really unusual out there in a full-faced helmet. And he only, and, and like the Ironman Iron Man competitions that he does are on roads that are closed to cars. So he does a lot of his riding on a trainer while he's studying, you know, for med school in his apartment. And um, he's made it work. So what happened to the other folks who were up on the mountain that day, his two friends who were riding on the bicycles, as well as the driver of the car? So, you know, that's one of the things I like about the book. And one of the things that really is great about the book are the sort of, you know, the surgeons and the doctors involved and the neurologists and, and the trauma. All You know, they're real characters. They come, they come to life in this book, as does his fellow riders and the driver of the car. Now, it was the worst day of his life for the driver as well. He was sure he had killed Matt, you know, he was, in the only way he kept his sanity was his belief that he hadn't done anything wrong. You know, he was not speeding, he was on his own side of the line, and, and um, you know, he was in shock, and he couldn't sleep for a long time, and he never really told anybody about it, and the car was drivable, and he drove it home and parked it in his, in his uh, garage, and he never fixed it, never drove it. He really just sort of shoved everything down, and, and, and it was all frozen, and he's a bachelor, but he'd never told his mother or his siblings or anyone about it. And when I went to interview him for the book, I spent oh, pretty much a day talking to him. And I think that was really cathartic for him. And a few weeks after I visited him, he sold the car. You know, it's just he, he was a great guy. And, and it was a real tragedy for him. But I think, you know, he just wanted to bury it for, for a couple of years. And then he finally sort of purged and moved on. The other riders, you know, they also were traumatized by the day. One of the other riders was going to be an economist uh, and had a summer, you know, had a job already. He was a senior and was lined up to work for a big think tank in Washington. But he vividly remembered what Dr. Harris did. He could never get that image out of his mind about how Dr. Harris had saved Matt on the mountain. And he decided after sitting in an office for a year as an economist doing regressions that he wanted a different life, and he, he went applied to medical school and he's going to be a doctor and he was sort of you know it changed his life that he also sold his bike that day and never got back on the bike but he decided he wanted to become a physician and he's now um 
pursuing that dream. So, you know, it was a lot of great elements to the story. And I'm a storyteller, so that's why I loved, loved Matt's story so much. And you certainly told a great tale. And I, and I think for any of our listeners who are looking for a, a book that's really going to kind of make them feel kind of good about themselves and, and really see someone who had grit, and we've talked a lot of grit, but really had a lot of grace and someone who was, you know, humble and caring at the end, should check out The Road Back, A Journey of Grace and Grit by Mike Vitez. You can get it through Amazon. And Mike, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's a wonderful book and uh, a quintessential Philadelphia story, much of a, a Rocky-type story. That is true. It really is a triumph of, of human spirit and really an, an overcoming. And uh, you, know, I enjoy, I, you can tell I enjoy talking about the book. I really, I really loved writing it, and I think there are great characters in it. And I really enjoyed being on your program. Thanks so much. This is Dr. John Russell. If you missed any or part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download the podcast and learn more about this series. Thank you for listening.